All right, what's up, AFC? I hope everybody is doing well tonight. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Matt, and I'm the co-campus minister here at AFC. And the title co is going to be like that until January when Craig runs off for bigger and better things in Farmington. But, um, so AFC is in a little bit of a transition right now, but it's been pretty smooth so far. So we're sharing teaching and, and leading duties until January, and then, uh, and then we're going to start that off. Uh, on the first of the year. So if this is your first time here, we have visitor cards at the back and we really want you to fill those out. The worst thing that'll happen is an intern's gonna give you a phone call and wanna take you to a cup of coffee. So uh, fill, those, fill those out. We also have prayer requests back there, prayer requests jug. The staff wants to pray, pray for you if that's something you want. So take advantage of that. All right, so if this is your first time or if this is your hundredth time, um, I wanna share with you a little bit of a vision that I have for AFC moving forward. And this vision is a vision of openness and a vision of honesty and a vision of vulnerability. So um, I'm going to get it started with the vulnerability part. I'm going to tell a story that's not exactly that comfortable. So uh, two weeks ago, I had the opportunity to preach. And uh, it started off pretty well. I liked the material. I liked how everything was going. And I kind of do this thing when I preach where like, I stand and I walk or I like, use the stage. So I'm, I'm sitting at one point. And I, and I stand up and I get hit with, I mean, I get so sick. I get so sick. I thought I was going to, and I say this seriously because I'm a high school basketball coach. So when somebody says, coach, I'm about to pass out, I get really mad because you don't know what it's like to about to pass out. I was about to pass out. So, so, I, so I, was feeling, I was feeling super sick. And uh, Craig preached last week and Craig was sick too. Craig is a much better preacher and has done it a lot more than me too. So he hides it a lot better than I did. So uh, my forehead began to sweat. I couldn't see my words. Uh, you guys got very blurry, but uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was kind of uncomfortable. Um, so I came, prepared, I came prepared tonight just in case. Um, I mean, I, I didn't eat dinner last time. It was 150 degrees in here, and it's still pretty hot. But. So my forehead was extremely sweaty last time, so I'm going to play defense with this ball cap. Uh, if it gets really bad, this is a towel I use at the gym and I don't wash it, so it stays back there. <laughs> I, got, um, I got extremely thirsty last time, so I have a Ferris Grape Gatorade, which is scientifically proven to be the best tasting and will make you the most athletic Ferris Grape will. And then, uh, and then I have a Snickers bar too, because I didn't eat dinner last time. So uh, I bet you've never seen a preacher eat a Snickers bar on stage before, but you've probably never seen a preacher pass out on stage before, and I don't really want to be either one of those things, so, um, so this is gonna stay with me for a little bit. But. Um, I tell that story for a reason. I tell that story because I want to be honest, I want to be open with you, and I, and I started it off with that tonight. Um, I started off because I want that to be what you do tonight, too. Now, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to poke your neighbor and tell them your most embarrassing secret, and I don't want you to have to come up here and, and share anything like that, but I do want you to be brutally realistic about the fruit that your life is producing the fruit that your life is producing. So um, la this past December, I graduated, and my best friend Taylor got me a book. And there's this quote in the book that absolutely rocked me, and it's rocked me so much I've preached three times since then. I've used it in all three sermons, so I'm going to use it again. The, the quote says, you must be brutally realistic with where you're at and wildly unrealistic about where you want to go. Brutally realistic with where you're at and wildly almost unrealistic about where you want to go. It's a, it's a book about setting goals and, and understanding where you're headed. So, uh, so, we're get, so we're in the second part of Galatians 5, and Galatians 5 is the fruit of the Spirit. 
And so as we, as we evaluate the fruit of spirit, I want us to be brutally realistic with the fruit that we're producing. What type of trees are we? Are we good trees? Are we bad trees? Now, now fruit and trees and all this, all this talk, is, it's, it's cliche Bible language, but it's Bible language for a reason. So uh, like in Matthew chapter 12, it says a, truit is, uh, a, truit. <laughs> a tree is known by its fruit. A tree is known by its fruit. Um, so the definition we could kind of say is that the things that come out of our life as a result of our spiritual well-being, that's our fruit. Um, so when I go bachelor shopping, here, actually, I'm not going to eat this. You guys have homecoming this week, so you all can share that. But um, when, I go, when I go shopping for fruit, and I'm talking about literal fruit shopping right now, when I go to Walmart, I'm a, I'm a bachelor, so um, I don't really know why you, buy, why you buy fruit. I guess for smoothies, that's why I buy them, maybe a fruit salad. But I have three rules when I buy the literal fruit. One rule is that it has to be firm. I don't eat any squishy fruit. I think that's disgusting. Um, number two, I don't care if you're a scientist or a plant doctor or something. A tomato is not a fruit, okay? A tomato is not a fruit. And then the third, and then the third thing is, is um, I don't believe God makes any mistakes, but he came so close with the apricot. That thing is, <laughs> that thing is so gross. Oh, you can't hide it in cobbler. You can't hide it under ice cream. It is disgusting. So, uh, so those are my, that's my standard when I go fruit shopping is, uh, is those three things. Now, while I think my theology on fruit is pretty solid and I think I'm right, you might have some differing views. You might like a squishy apricot from time to time. That's disgusting. Uh, you might like to put tomatoes in your fruit salad. That's sinful. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that, that, might be, that might be your standard and our standards are different. Now, the thing about evaluating your, your fruit in a biblical sense is that there is one standard, and the one standard is the Word of God. And so we're only going to use the Bible when we evaluate what's coming out of our lives. So, uh, so tonight, the, the sermon title is Got Fruit, and the simple answer to that question is, is yes, you do have fruit. The Bible says you have one or the other. You're either a good tree that produces good fruit or you're a bad tree that produces bad fruit, okay? So, uh, so, so the answer is yes, and I think too often um, we might ignore our impact, that we don't have fruit coming out or one way or the other. You do. Everybody has fruit. So we're going to evaluate where we're at. Um, the next slide has our three points that I want to talk about tonight. The first one, and, um, the first one is bad fruit. What does bad fruit look like? We're going to talk about bad fruit first because it comes first in Galatians chapter 5. Secondly, we're going to talk about good fruit. And the third point I want to make tonight is the freedom that's promised to us as a, as a healthy, um, good fruit producing tree. All right. So, uh, so if you've been here for the past couple of weeks, we are in the book of Galatians. So you can get your Bibles out now or your Bible apps. There is not a version app for tonight because I'm old school and I don't do that. So, um, but so, so Craig and I have been going through Galatians together. And uh, last, last week, Craig preached on Galatians chapter 4, and he also gave a very good recap of Galatians, the book. Now, I'm not going to do another one because he did that, but there's one thing I want you to remember, that the church in Galatia is very messed up. The church in Galatia has been um, fooled by somebody else. It's preached another gospel other than Jesus. And so Paul is, there to, uh, Paul is there to set them straight, okay? He's there to give them, to fix their theology and help them um, understand um, the original truth that they were taught. Last week, Craig talked in chapter 4 about the law. And he said that the law does three things. The law shows us uh, distinction, it shows us restraints, and it, show, and it reveals our sin. The, uh, I'm actually going to directly quote the good Reverend Craig Mayberry when he said, uh, the law shows us that we should be different, but we often assimilate. 
The law shows us that we should be different, but we often assimilate, meaning the law shows us how we should be different, and sometimes we, we look like this world. We're not supposed to, we're in this world, but not of it. Sometimes we're of it. That's what the law tells us. So we can look at this in one of two ways. We can say, we can say the law shows us our sin and how broken we are and how we need a Savior, which is absolutely true. Um, but it can also show us the good things in our life, and the law can show us the good fruit that we're bearing and that we're on the right track. So, uh, so like I said, we're going to start with the bad fruit first, and it's not, uh, it doesn't go down easy sometimes, but it's in Scripture, so we're going to go to it. So we're in uh, Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is a scary Bible verse. That is a scary Bible verse, and it is a very all-inclusive Bible verse. A lot of times I hear students say when we're talking about the Bible, they say, well, you know what, like, um, it's a good book and it comforts me at times, but it doesn't get my life. That was 2,000 years ago. It doesn't understand the lives that I have as a student at New Mexico State University. Um, verses like this are so inclusive as to, as to the sin and the fruit in our life that I believe it does. Um, like if we're talking about impurity, that can cover a lot of different sins. Uh, I think one of the most inclusive ones that is mentioned here is idolatry. Idolatry says that anything put, anything put above God is sinful, and so that can cover a number of things. But uh, if this list isn't good, for, good enough for you, then I'll tell you a little bit about um, the bad fruit that was in my life. This is going to be a mini testimony. I'm going to try not to do this um, very much moving forward, but um, it, it was a very real part of my life. Now, when I moved to Las Cruces, uh, when I moved to Las Cruces six years ago, I, uh, I came here and I was walking in sin. I had a sinful dating relationship. I liked to drink. I liked to experience with drugs. I loved to party and go out. That was, uh, that was, my, that was my life. Now, by the grace of God, he used, he used um, mediums like this church, or he used um, better friends that came in my life to kind of show me a better way. And when that happened, I became extremely convicted of the sin that was in my life. I, I hated the sin that was in my life, and that happens to a lot of us. So when I started recognizing this bad fruit, um, I told myself that, that I was going to beat this, and I had to, I had to do something to, uh, to take control of this of this sin that was in my life. And so if going out was what caused me to stumble, um, I was going to fix it, right? And the bright idea that I got was I was going um, to, whenever I wanted to go out, I was going to fight that by playing the piano. I was going to learn how to play the piano, right? So I got a keyboard from my buddy, and every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, as my roommates got ready to go out, and they're getting their, uh, their clothes and their hats and, their, and their, their, their Jordans, whatever it was, they're getting ready to go out. I would sit there on my couch with my keyboard, and it's almost like it was like a seatbelt that buckled me in so I couldn't get up and go sin. And I got a, I got a beginning piano book, and, uh, and I started plucking away. When the saints, right? You guys got it? <laughs> All right. So, so when the saints go marching in, that was my first, that was my first, uh, my first ditty that I learned. And, uh, 
And, and what it was, was it was a way for me to fight this. And my roommate, he would, he would walk out and he'd be like, man, Matt, you're crazy, man. Like, you're not going to go with us. I was like, no, dude, I have to stay. And so he would, uh, he would come back. He would come back later in the night. Um, he would come back later in the night. He'd bring home a girl or he'd come home drunk. And I'd still be sitting there with my, with my stinking keyboard just going. And then I got real good. Now, now, while this was a valiant idea, it was absolutely misguided in the fact that I was trying to beat sin by myself. And it wasn't until, uh, it wasn't until I started learning what good fruit looked like that my life really began to change. And so I started really to analyze the life of Jesus that um, I started to see um, what could be offered to me, not just fighting sin and thinking about it all the time, but focusing on the cross and what good fruit looks like. So let's look at some good fruit. Galatians chapter 5, we're in the very next verse. Um, there it is. This is called the fruit of the Spirit. Um, now, growing up, when me and Eric would get in trouble, um, our mom would make us write this as a memory verse, time after time after time. So I probably don't need to read it, but I'm going to. Verse 22, I'm going to read 24. I didn't put it on there, but I'm going to read through 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against, against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and with its desires. That is what good fruit looks like. So I want you guys to do a little activity with me, if you will. Um, I want everybody to close their eyes for a minute. You don't have to bow your heads or anything, but close your eyes. This is when I shamelessly drink my Gatorade while you're not looking. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think of a person, and this is a very specific person, and hopefully all of you have somebody that's kind of like this. I want you to think of a person in your life that has um, affected you spiritually by the way that you, by the way that they walked out their, their walk, that had these fruits in their life. Um, somebody, a, a spiritual leader that you looked up to, a life that you were kind of um, wishing you might have looked more like, a grandparent, a parent, a friend, a neighbor, whatever it is, I want you to think of this spiritual giant that's in your life. And keep your eyes closed as I read these fruit again. And I just want you to think about this person, this Christ-like person. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. This person was probably good. They were probably faithful. Were they gentle? And did they have self-control? You can look up. I'm just imagining the people that you must have been thinking of. You must have been thinking of some spiritual warriors. I mean, some giants, some people that just had these fruit and just oozed the life of Jesus out of them. I wish I could hear about every single one of them. But I have the microphone, so you get to hear about mine. <laughs> uh, when I moved here, uh, there was a, the, one of the actual productive things that I did is I went to, uh, I went to a church across town. And I'd play basketball every Monday and Thursday afternoon. And uh, this was very, bye Lauren. <laughs> this, this, was a, this was a very, uh, this was a very rough, this was a rough crowd. It was mixed with some church guys. And I, and I met this guy named Adam. Now Adam was, uh, he was about six foot four. He was a skinny guy with curly hair. Um, pretty good competitor, right? He was a pretty good basketball player. Um, 
but Adam had this, Adam had this it factor, right? He oozed all of these qualities, all of these fruit that I just named. And, uh, and so Adam would get to know me, and week in and week out, he would, he would uh, show me love when I came in the door. He would show me patience when I was acting like the thug basketball player. I thought I would. I am a basketball player, but I'm not thug. But he would, he would show me patience when I would act, act the fool in there. And, uh, and Adam just oozed all of these characteristics. And so six months after I met him, I, I walked into the church one day, and I was the first one there, and we were, we were, sh- we were shooting around, and I said, uh, um, for some reason, I put away my selfishness for a side, and I asked what he did. And he says, I'm the, uh, I'm the associate pastor here. I'm the one who opens the doors. <laughs> and I said, I said, I was like, ah, I knew, I knew there was something about you, you know. I was like, why didn't you tell me? And he said, well, first of all, uh, first of all, you never asked. And second of all, I didn't want my, uh, I didn't want my platform as a church guy to, to affect how, what you thought of me. I just wanted to, I just wanted to befriend you and, and you like me for me. Um, that has stuck with me to this day. That Adam was that was that sweet and that tender and that gentle with me to get to know a guy that was that was rough on the outside coming into this to this environment. Um, and Adam had something. I, I was over here in this in this life where I could do pretty much whatever I wanted, right? I mean, as long as I didn't get caught drinking or smoking or whatever it was, I was pretty much free to do whatever I wanted, right? And and he was living this life that was um, a church guy and under the Bible, right? And, uh, and yet I'm over here and I'm looking at him and I'm just like, man, like that guy has something that I want. That guy has something that I want. Now I had, I had a decent amount of money, I had a nice car, I had a pretty girlfriend, I had whatever, but he had, he had that something that I was looking for. Um, I think that's what one of the big misconceptions in the, uh, in the, in the churches or in the Okay, we'll say America. I think that's one of the big misconceptions is that this life, this, uh, this church life is, is we're, we're slaves to this. That's not the case. I had everything, and I saw Adam, who I thought I had everything, and I had bad fruit, and I saw Adam, who had uh, just one wife who he had to see all the time, and he had, um, he had a job that he had to go to, but um, he had this it factor that I wanted so desperately. He had, he had true freedom. Now, I, uh, I skipped to the second part of chapter 5 tonight, but the first part of chapter 5, the first verse actually talks about freedom in Christ and what freedom to produce good fruit and to be a good, healthy tree looks like. So the first, uh, the first verse of Galatians 5, it reads like this. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For freedom Christ has set us free. Um, so we, uh, we, had this, we had this small group two weeks ago with the guys of AFC, and we were going around, we were talking, like, how can we help this campus? How can we bless this campus, right? How can we show some good fruit on this campus? And we were, uh, we were listing things off, and we told the guys that were writing them down on this whiteboard, like, there's no wrong answer, right? So we, we see things like um, smile at somebody, learn their name, give rides, like all these good things, right? Um, and then Chance spoke, and if you guys know Chance, kind of off the wall, right? So he says, I think AFC would be better if we had more Braveheart clips. <laughs> and so I told him, I was like, man, I said there's no wrong answers, but that was very close, right? The Braveheart clip was very close to being a wrong answer. Um, and then I started studying Galatians 5, and I started reading about freedom and what freedom in, in Christ looks like. So um, this clip happened. You've come to fight as free man. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? 
from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! <laughs> if that doesn't give you the desire to go um, live a free life in Christ, I don't know what will. I have to use my towel to dry off after watching that because it gets me so pumped up. But um, uh, there's a lot of spiritual correlations here, right? Um, in this scene, uh, Mel, Mel Gibson asks, he says, do you wish to fight? And the guy on the front row, he says, no. We're going to run and we're going to live. Like, look at that army. Are you kidding me? So we're not going to fight against that. And, uh, and Mel Gibson, in all his Scottish manliness, he says, uh, he, says, he says, yeah, you're right. You'll live for a little while. But one day you'll look back and you'll, and you'll wonder, you'll be, what, if I, what if I would have fought for that freedom? The, uh, the freedom offered in Christ is worth the fight. The freedom to produce good fruit and to be a good tree, is, uh, it, far outweighs the bad. it far outweighs the bad. And if you don't want to take Scripture's word for it, I'm sitting here telling you my testimony says that the, the opportunity to be a good, a good tree far outweighs the bad. I'll close with this. The gospel says that God doesn't care about what kind of tree you were when you walked in today, okay? He doesn't care about what you used to put out. The radical call of Jesus looked like this. It looked like, um, it looked like Jesus being friends, acquaintances, friends, and uh, ended up being best friends with um, adulterers and, and murderers and prostitutes. And he gave these people the instant opportunity to follow him when he would say, go and sin no more. And like that, they were given the freedom to be good trees. So what does your fruit look like? Do we want to look more like those Christ-like individuals that we, that we closed our eyes and we thought about it? Or, or better yet, do we, do we want to look more like Christ? To the Christian in this room, um, let me tell you that this sermon didn't hit me until about two hours ago. I wasn't very excited about this sermon until about two hours ago when it absolutely gripped me and ripped me that I wanted my fruit to look a little bit different. If that's your case, there's going to be staff in the back that want to pray with you. If you're a non-believer and you say, I'm tired of having this, uh, these negative things in my life, I'm sick of this, I'm sick of this bad fruit, there's going to be staff in the back and we want to pray with you. Because the one true standard has been set for what good fruit is. And there is no life with more purpose or with more passion or with more freedom than that. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what your son did so that we might have freedom. People who, uh, who live lives with bad fruit day in and day out, and yet you gave us a way to, uh, to fight that, Lord. And your son set the standard and your word tells us how we're supposed to live. And uh, we are so grateful for that undeserved gift. 
God, I pray for every single individual in this room, whether it's the Christian who has fruit that they want out of their life or it's, um, the non-believer that needs an absolutely new tree and new roots. God, I pray that in an instant you will change hearts tonight. Lord, thank you for your son and what he did on the cross. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.